0: This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you back for another day. Lavelle the Third, Star Tribune columnist, will join me here in just a little bit to talk Twins, to talk Vikings, to talk Timberwolves and Wild, a lot of stuff on my mind that I wanted to talk through with Lavelle, and he was great on all of them as always um vikings made a couple signings on monday i want to get into that a little bit kind of a theme of today's show is kind of working the margins with deals trying to you know out not outsmart everybody but um you know vikings and twins have made some splash moves in recent days uh the moves they made on monday were not splash moves they are moves that are more Hopeful than they are um, closer to sure thing. So we'll get into that regarding the Vikings. Paige Beckers and UConn made the Final Four, a thrilling win, double overtime over North Carolina State. So they will be in Minneapolis on Friday when the Final Four starts for women's basketball. Um, and um, we talked a lot about the Timberwolves with Lavelle, And We got to talk about uh, how that Western Conference playoff picture looks right now because it's kind of interesting. If you were thinking that Golden State was uh, going to be the number two seed, that is completely flipped lately. Memphis going to be the number two seed. And what does that mean for a potential first round matchup for the Wolves? But first, what did I miss? Got to start with the Twins even though it Impacted a little bit of the discussion I had with Lavelle E. Neal III. You'll hear me working this guy's name into it rather humorously. He's this year's and Matt Shoemaker. That was uh, that was the podcast little trick I had to do on one of the first shows I did last year. I think it was with Lavelle even again that time when, um, when we were talking about pitching. And then they went up and got Matt Shoemaker after I was already done recording a segment. Twins get Chris Archer. On Monday, now Chris Archer a better pitcher than Matt Shoemaker, a better track record, but it's been a while since he was good and healthy. I'd say his last really good season was 2017, and that started that stopped a run of really you know three or four really good years in a row for him. I'd say actually five really good years in a row for Chris Archer, where he you know burst onto the scene in 2013 as a rookie, third in the rookie of the year voting. Good in 2014, 15, 16, 17. He was throwing almost, you know, averaging 200 innings a season there. Um, topped 230 strikeouts three different times. All sorts of arm problems ever since then, though. Uh Tommy John surgery in 2020. And so now, you know, he's only thrown 19 and a third innings the last two seasons. And... Uh, you know, so what are the Twins getting here exactly? They're, they they the him to a you know, one-year, reported three point five million dollar contract, but incentives can push that as high as nine point five million dollars. So what are they getting exactly in Chris Archer? And so to to kind of kind of frame this, I went back and kind of thought about historically what are the Twins hoping he becomes, and what's kind of the You know who who are who are some comparable pitchers that the Twins have signed, and how has it worked out, and how has it not worked out? And here's here's kind of how I see it. Uh, On the high end, um, the comp comp I see for Chris Archer is Carl Pavano. Remember Carl Pavano signed with the you know traded by Cleveland, I believe, to the Twins in 2009. Helped them down the stretch that season, and then it was great. In 2010, really kind of re, re, uh, rediscovered his whole career. Won 17 games. Was a workhorse. Had seven complete games. Had a couple shutouts that season. Really was a key for that 2010 division-winning team for the Twins. And was a, he was pretty good again in 2011, even when the Twins were imploding. He he gave them a lot of innings. He was a decent pitcher that season, but he had had all sorts of problems when he was with the Yankees. He had had you know his whole career. Interrupted after having a really, you know, a nice run with the Marlins. And then we <clears throat> everything kind of fell apart for him with the Yankees. So he comes to the Twins eventually and turns his whole career around. So that would be the upside for Chris Archer. Can he become the next Carl Pavano for the Twins? The downside, I would say, the what you don't want is, is he the next Mike Pelfrey? Now, Pelfrey, if you'll recall, was a pretty decent pitcher for the Mets from... 2008 through 2011, you know, gave them at least 184 innings each of those seasons, posted some decent ERAs, won 15 games one of those seasons. Um, Then he had to have Tommy John surgery in 2012. Twins signed him in 2013, and it just didn't go well. The rest of his career, Mike Pelfrey went a combined 18 and 49 and for the twins he went 11 and 27 he had still some more elbow issues in 2014 uh but 2013 2015 just not great for palfrey five and 13 one of those seasons six and 11 the other had a little bit more success in 2015 but nothing that you would want to say hey uh bring that guy back for sure so that's the that's the kind of downside comp Can't, you know a guy who later in his career struggled through injuries just like Pavano and just never really rediscovered whatever it was he had earlier in his career. Now Chris Archer I think is a more accomplished pitcher than uh, than than either of uh than either of those guys, especially Pelfrey. I think I think Archer's upside is higher than that of Pelfrey and probably even that of Pavano, but his downside is that, you know, again, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. He's had all sorts of problems in the last 3-4 years since that really healthy, good run in his you know, mid to late 20s, the prime of your career. you know, Those years where he was stacking up those good seasons, he was 25, 26, 27, 28. He's 33 now, um, coming off of major arm surgery. Can he be that pitcher? So it's a big gamble for the Twins who are otherwise relying on a lot of other young arms, a lot of guys who have some question marks. Sonny Gray has question marks. What's, what's his health status going to be like this season? He did pitch a minor league game, on Monday looked good according to all reports so that was encouraging Dylan Bundy um, hasn't been you know hasn't been all that great for a while either I think his best his best his most recent good season was 2020 but that was the short season be it before that it was probably 2017 so they are banking on a lot of guys to bounce back and for them to be able to kind of Find Whatever these guys once had And that's that's a risk And Lavelle and I are going to get into that In just a little bit here
1: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake For 24-7 gaming Fun restaurants and bars And luxurious hotel rooms And join Club M to bask in the rewards Follow the lights to Mystic Lake Where every day is play day
0: Really happy to have Lavelle E. Neal III back on Daily Delivery. Lavelle, it's been a little while. Um, I think the last text messages you and I exchanged were about Christmas, so I don't know. Maybe we maybe we emailed a couple times. But I, th- I feel like you've been on more recently than that, but welcome back. How are you?
1: I'm doing swell. You know, just a little bit surely easing into things here um, post-Olympics, and um, I'll actually be making my... I was trying to sneak up on people, I think the secret's already out, but... Uh, and I'll be headed down to Fort Myers for a few days to kind of see the final um, roster moves of the Twins before opening day. So, um, looking forward to that, you know, because um, that's been covering going down to has been like part of my life for 27 years. So, it would have been weird not going to Florida for spring training.
0: Lavelle, is your arm loose? That is my first question because <laughs> I am concerned. I want to get your thoughts here. Take it for a fair, take it as far as you want to go. What what's the pitching plan here? Because I'm I'm worried about. Twins pitching for a second consecutive year.
1: Yeah, I think we should all be, uh, be concerned. That's the one thing they w- were unable to address during this crazy offseason. This uh, lockout effect offseason was to um, seriously upgrade their starting and rotation. Um, they're giving Billy Dylan Buddy a chance to kind of rec- reclaim whatever form he had a couple years ago, and that's fine. And Chris Archer. Those guys are at every spring training. But uh, trading for uh, Sonny Gray was a good move. He definitely can help. I think he's a quality arm. So I'm a little concerned about um, uh, the makeup of the starting rotation. I don't know problems with Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan um, being part of the rotation. They showed promise last year. They showed the ability to pitch on a major league level. Um, but they need experience. And the key is to push them as far back in the rotation as you can with better players. So that's why I was advocating a trade for, I know for a fact, they prefer Mon- Frankie Montas over Sean Manea because Montas is under control for two more years. Uh, Manea uh, will be a free agent after this season, and and he uh, has Scott Boris as his agent, which means he's going to hit the free agent market. So um, that would just be kind of a one-year rental. But at the same time, you wouldn't have to give up as much for Manea as you would Montas. I do like Montas, Montas better as a pitcher than Manea but one of those two guys will look really good in this rotation. Uh, and I really wish they had a closer. I would love to see Taylor Rogers in more of a setup role than a ninth inning role. I think when you can rotate between Rogers, Jorge Acala, and um, Tyler Duffy in the seventh and eighth inning, and then give the ball to a proven closer in the ninth, I think that is a great setup. So um, I was kind of hoping they'd also ask for the A's closer, Lou Trevino, who was, who was a proven closer, but, but you know, it takes two to tangle, Mike. It sounds like that uh, the A's are reluctant right now. The Moodles guys, you think that t- more teams uh, will be desperate at the trade deadline. So that tells me no one's overpaid offer what they would consider an overpay for their guys. So they're going to um, sit back and let, uh, let the season progress.
0: Yeah. I mean, la- last year was, you know, derailed in large part because the veterans they signed didn't work. And obviously, we've been waiting on a lot of these pitchers for quite some time and, you know, pitchers take a long time to develop that. That's fine. Um, you know, th- that said, I mean, it, it did, it felt like the, the mantra all off season was they're going to add pitching. They're going to add pitching and that, you know, they can't just, you know, hope that Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan repeat what they showed in pretty limited sample sizes, especially Joe Ryan um, towards the end of last season. And, you know, put whatever stock you want in September baseball too. That was all Joe Ryan starts right there. Like I don't know. I I, f- I feel like they've made a lot of interesting moves otherwise we can I want to get your your thoughts on just their offseason in general. Um, obviously the Correa signing is is massive and it helps it helps the pitching staff because he's a good defensive shortstop, but yeah, you know, I just I'm still I, I like the lineup. I think the lineup can score some runs. I think the defense is going to be good as long as guys are healthy, but Who's going to throw the ball still is a fundamental uh, fundamental question to me.
1: No, no doubt. Um, I, I, I'll give the Twins. I mean, the Correa signing was the number one free agent on the market. I mean, that pushes their offseason out of C range. Into B, B range. You know, I'll give it a B when you land a player of Correa's ability. And plus, you're able to get out from Josh Donaldson's contract, a guy who um, in his two years with the Twins um, kept breaking down, couldn't stay on the field. And um and made more more impact with his mouth than his bat at times. So uh I think uh that was a shrewd move, even if it cost him a shortstop in in um kind of falafa being traded a day after acquiring him. But to get Correa short, I mean that's a coup. Um and it, it works out for at least this year. He's a place, placeholder for Royce Lewis, um, who can, who needs to continue to develop. And if something goes wrong and Correa wants to come back next year, he can. So if he doesn't come back, then the Twins have thirty-five million dollars. They can try to once again upgrade the pitching staff with. So um, I don't mind. I don't mind signing Dylan Bundy. I really don't. I mean, every team has these reclamation projects in, in camp. And Chris Archer. Uh, they have Chi-Chi uh, Gonzalez, a former kid who came up with the Rangers. They thought he was going to be a good pitcher, and he's bouncing back after some injuries. And he's a, he could probably he he probably start the season at um, at St. Paul. Yeah, let's. Let's expand my thoughts here to include the next five, because I think you need to have eight to ten starters total to yes. Who's
0: who's the first five? And then who's the next five? Do you think?
1: Well, I'm gonna put I'm gonna plug in Josh Wander Winder as number five. Um okay. and, and folks, for you guys, you folks listening to this, um, he's got talent. I mean, he's got the four picks mix, mix but he could touch it on you seven. That's a good arm. And he was going to make his debut last year before uh, he had a shoulder problem and they decided to shut him down, but he's healthy this year. And he, he's in a position where he could contribute right away I would prefer that he would uh, spend a month or two in, in st. Paul to kind of um, continue to smooth out some rough, rough the edges and fine-tune his command and fine-tune this pitch pick pitch mix uh, but you know what uh, they're gonna have to need him to, to, um, to contribute uh, Yon Duran is an interesting guy um, incredibly talented. Um, has touched 100, 101 before in the minors, has a pitch called the split-fingered sinker, or splinker, and he's got. I think he's got a curve and a change-up, too, that he's still trying to perfect. Um, the problem is he has not thrown a lot of innings as a starter in the minor leagues to the point where there is some discussion and debate going on within the organization if Durant should just become a reliever at this point because he has not had – I don't think he's thrown 120 innings in the season yet, you know, so that's problematic. As a reliever, Duran throwing 100 miles an hour come out of the bullpen. That's a plus. Um, and he might break. I, there's a good chance he breaks camp with the team, too. Um, but I was told that there's a chance he could start the season in the bullpen and then return to St. Paul and continue to build up his arm strength and be stretched out. So we'll see how that transpires. But I have Winder and Duran at the top of that list. Then I have the right-hander, Jordan Balazovic, after them. He's got a four-pitch mix, and I've seen him throw in the backfields of Fort Myers before. Good movement on his fastball. He's got a nice run, nice life to it. You know, So it's been a matter of him staying healthy and fine-tuning his pitches as well, which has not come uh, as smoothly as uh, people had helped. Uh, and after that, yeah, Cole Sands, um, another guy who has shown decent control in the minors. And he's got uh, solid stuff. And he's 24. You know, and it's time for some of these guys, Mike. Uh, Josh Weiner, I believe, is 25. Sans is 24, Durant is 24. Uh, Drew Stroutman, one of the kids they got in the trades last year, is 25. They're all gonna be a triple A. And uh, it, it's it's their time. It's their time to step up and, and 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 see what happens. You just wish, you just wish this um this baptism wasn't become, wasn't, was out of you wish that they would have earned their way to the majors by pitching well in the minors instead of being given spots on the major league staff because of necessity. Um, so you can question the twins for that. Uh, after that, I just named about five other guys. In double A looks like you're going to have Matt Cantorino who's got a live arm. He's 24. Right now he's projected to be a double A and Simeon Woods Richardson. He's 21. Um, he needs to, he needs to work on his control, but he's another good looking guy who's got a little bit of velocity he came from Toronto along with Austin Martin in the Jose Barrios trade. So I'm actually named six or seven guys who are youngish guys who have talent, and they're, not, they're most of them not these finesse, spot-hitting, Nick Blackburn, Kevin Sloy types that the Twins were known for developing about 15 years ago. These are guys who actually have stuff and can miss bats. Who could be on the radar sooner or later? You just want them to earn it instead of it being given to them.
0: Suppose the X factor in all this before we move on to a Viking subject I want to get to is Kent Maeda. I mean, he's, you know, I don't know what they should count on from him this year, but there's a reasonable possibility that he could help towards the end of the year. Right. Given the timing of his surgery. I
1: would not count on Maeda this year. In fact, I think he even said it when he got to camp that the probably, he, he would probably try to pitch this year only if the twins made the postseason, season, if you thought that way. So Um, he, he had a very interesting surgery, Mike, because he had Tommy John also did primary repair at the same time. So the primary repair surgery is when you take the ligament and wrap it with, uh, I want to say collagen. I I, I know that doesn't sound right, but it's something that helps with healing and strengthening that ligament. And then they put the ligament back in the elbow. So they replaced the ligament and then the ligament they replaced uh, was wrapped with something to strengthen and powering it to make this elbow apparently as sturdy as possible.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So it's got to be. Sometimes we got to be patient. Sometimes the full picture comes into view as time goes on, and that kind of feels like how we might view the Vikings' off season at this point. Um, I I wanted more change, but I also get why there hasn't been more change. What What are you? What are you thinking as you evaluate the moves they've made and, and didn't make, to be honest? Uh,
1: I know uh, people are kind of thinking everybody else has done something with their quarterback spots of the Vikings. They extended Cousins, uh, gave them more money. I tell you, one thing Cousins has done is he knows how to make money. Um, but uh, uh, but they, they reduced the cap hit for the upcoming season. That's a lot of them to do some things. Um, they had to address the defense. The offense is going to be fine. Even, even with your criticisms of Kirk cousins, it's, it's a top 10 offense with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and, and uh, Dalvin cook and the return of a healthy Irv Smith jr. Um, but the defense has really let them down in the last couple of years. We've stopped the run um, secondary breakdowns. It's been, it's, it, it's put the, it put it's put pressure on the offense to have to outscore its defense. and, so going to three but will be interesting. Uh, the fact that they um, they signed Sedarius Smith to bookend with Daniil Hunter gives them potentially a devastating one-two punch of edge rushers if they can both stay healthy, uh, which is key. Uh, I like the Jordan Hicks move. He's a linebacker can fly. He's he, he's fast and is going to make a lot of tackles. Um, they uh, just signed a slot corner from the Packers, I believe. Yes. So- draft a corner um, in the draft next month. Um, so you're seeing them address their key weakness, which is the defense. So it's the thing too, uh, Mike, even though we think that the Vikings still have some meat on the bone as far as trying to put that roster together for next year, I would argue that they've closed a the gap on the Packers because the Packers have lost uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, they lost to Darius Smith. Um and on the, on the low end, they don't have Equin, Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling of both sign elsewhere. You know, who is Rogers going to throw to <laughs> next year? Robert Tanyan, th- 10 times a game? Alan so- Lazard. Alan Lazard, exactly. So I, I I think you could say at this point that the the, the gap's being closed in the, in the NFC North a little bit.
0: Yeah, when Rogers doesn't have receivers that he likes, he, uh, he tends to let them know about it, too. So that'll be... That'll be interesting. I'm sure they have a move or two to make yet, and then they can certainly draft somebody with the equity they've picked up. But, again, those are not sure things like uh, like Devontae Adams was. That is to be certain. Lavelle, final thing for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Timberwolves and Wild. Give me your prediction. You're over, over under... Um, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to set an over under number for combined playoff wins for those, for those two teams. Now keep in mind, the Wolves have to get past the play in probably just to get to the playoffs combined playoff wins for those two teams over under number is nine, nine.
1: Huh? Um, what's the first round in NBA? How many games is that first? Are they all- seven
0: round series. It's a seven game series.
1: Uh, that's a really good question. I think the wild are equipped to make a run to the conference finals at this point. Uh They're playing really good hockey right now. They've addressed their, some of their issues that have been lingering. They've gotten deeper in between the pipes. They've gotten tougher, more physical. Felino doesn't have to be the only one fighting everybody anymore. Correct. I like, I just like how that team made up. They're, they're built to make a run. I can see them getting to the conference finals. So. That would be. So that's eight. That's eight. eight.
0: <laughs> Plus whatever they do in the conference finals.
1: I'm gonna take for granted that the Wolves win the playing game. I'll give them two wins. That does that count as a playoff win?
0: The play the play in does not count as the playoffs. So you got to get in the top eight. So
1: I I'll I'll they'll barely co- I I can say ten. I'm gonna say ten.
0: Okay. So you got you got the wild. You got you got between them. You got them between them at least. One of them's got to win at least one playoff series in this scenario. Maybe two if the Wolves fall completely flat. But uh, but you're going the over. I'm, i It's it's interesting. I think I like the Wild a lot more than it did two weeks ago when they looked like they couldn't do anything. Um, they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't. Their identity was completely you know battered and and now you know they've the the trades that Bill Guerin made at the at the you know at the deadline to get Marc Andre Fleury to to get some more toughness like you referenced. That's a you know that's that's gonna set them up pretty set them up pretty well. And it's you know, hockey playoffs are weird. There's no guarantees, but I I think I like the over too, but it's it's also hard to get too optimistic here in this market, right? Even though both those teams are way more interesting than they've been in a long time.
1: It's it's a lopsided, it's gonna be lopsided at 10 with the wild merit winning the majority of the playoff games between those two teams. Like I can see the Wolves winning the playoff game and then like getting knocked out four to two in the next round because they'll get in at the bottom server and face one of the, the top teams in the West. Yeah. And they'll have to uh they'll have to pack a lunch in that series. I think uh I don't think they'll get out of out of the next series. So but I'll give them two wins. But I think I'm counting on the wild here to Back me up here and make a run in the conference finals.
0: So you know it, it's it's a fun time in Minnesota Sports. We got the women's Final Four coming up here on Friday. We got the twins about to start up. They're intriguing. We got the Vikings and draft coming up. These two teams look like they're going to make the postseason with the Wild and Wolves. I I'm having a hard time remembering a more optimistic time in Minnesota Sports because we sure have had our share of pessimistic times.
1: Yeah, we just had a week where the, the twins signed Korea, the Vikings signed Zadarius, and then Fleury was traded to the Wild in the span of about five days. That three headline grabbing moves that not just grab headlines here, but were noted nationally for yes. a while. The wow. The twins have Korea. Wow, the twins got the top. I mean, the Wild got the top goaltender and Fleury. Wow, Zadarius Smith was with the Vikings, you know. Um, it is optimistic. And you, you didn't mention there's two Minnesotas in the in the frozen four. Yeah. To go for, go for hockey's in the final four, and so is Minnesota State.
0: And the loons are good. Yeah, the loons are good.
1: Well, you know, Adrian Heath keeps bringing his strikers, so eventually, one or two of them <laughs> are <gonna start laughs> right? scoring goals. You know, I thought he was going to start running a 4 2 4 there. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's got, do it. Who could, who could be strikers in that roster, man? So, um, yeah, it's, it's actually an optimistic time uh, in the Twin Cities. So we want the warm weather to come so we can look forward to. Um, sitting in Target Field when the weather's nice, watching the Twins game while monitoring the the Wolves and the Wild and the, making playoff runs. That's what I I'm like on. it.
0: I like yeah. it. I'm ready for it, Lavelle. I don't know if you are, but I am ready for it. Well, thanks for joining me here, Lavelle. We'll we'll do this again soon. All right. Sounds good. Good stuff from Lavelle as always. Love catching up with him just because he's got a lot of thoughts about a lot of different things we can kind of bounce around and uh, we certainly did that today and one of the things we talked about was the Vikings they signed a couple kind of lower level free agents on Monday the more notable one being Jesse Davis a offensive lineman who has started i think 72 games for the Dolphins over the last five seasons um he's either been a guard or a tackle there and according to pro football focus not a very effective one he ranked 53rd out of 55 tackles for the dolphins last season in terms of overall grade um so that's not great he was he's been a slightly better guard than he has been a tackle and with the vikings he will almost certainly be used at guard um in today's story, um, written by Ben Gessling, it, it says he likely would be the star he becomes the favorite to start at right guard for the Viking. You know, so a guy who has experience in in that regard, but still not uh not great numbers according to Pro Football Focus. You know, back in 2017, 2018, he was still in the, you know, the bottom you know, bottom half, even bottom third among starting guards when he was playing that position. Um, You know, the nice thing about him is, you know, compared to a guy like Ole Udo last season, he does not commit a lot of penalties. Ole Udo committed 16 penalties last season. I You know, Davis, I think, had three or four, and, you know, that's that's kind of been his typical number most seasons. So we'll see. I don't know if we can, you know, call this necessarily a huge upgrade, but it is a guy that has experience. It is a guy who has done it has has been a starter in this league for several years and who is at least has a better foundation at guard than he does at tackle so that is how they're going to try to help their offensive line and we will see kind of like the uh, kind of like the Chris Archer move if they can get more out of him than other teams could one player who you don't have to worry about getting a lot out of she always delivers Paige beckers huge In UConn's double overtime win over North Carolina State that got the Huskies to the Final Four at Target Center in just a few days here. Great game. Uh, Double overtime. North Carolina State kept coming back, coming back, coming back. But Paige Beckers and her teammates were too much. Love this postgame quote from Paige Beckers. Let's play that really quick. So cool that she gets to play that Final Four in Minneapolis. I'm sure she'll have, you know, she'd have fans wherever she went, but especially coming to, you know, her home state where she played not too far from here in high school at Hopkins. What a cool story. What a great storyline for the tournament. I'm excited to help cover that later this week. And and what an exciting time for Paige Beckers and UConn. That whole field is set, of course, now UConn, Stanford, South Carolina, and Louisville. It should be a fantastic Final Four. Let's finish quick with the coolers. Just uh, looking at the NBA standings the other day, it just kind of struck me. I, I knew that Golden State was kind of in free fall, but I didn't realize to what extent. Memphis has basically almost locked up that number two seat now. you know, Phoenix is already clinched the top seed in the West. They are eight and a half games clear of the Grizzlies with just seven, six games, six or seven games to play, depending on which team you look at. Um, But then the Grizzlies are five games ahead of Golden State, who are now just 48 and 28. They're only five games better than the Wolves right now, who are 43 and 33, so... If the Wolves aren't able to jump up into that number six seed, and they've they've got some work to do. There's only six games left, and they are two games behind Denver, although one of those games is against Denver a little later on this week. If they're not able to jump up and get that number six seed, but they are able to win that first play-in game and get the seventh seed, they would play Memphis in all likelihood. And Memphis, like we talked about earlier on this podcast, is a better matchup for them, as good as Memphis is. That has been a pretty good matchup for the Wolves. They're they fairly evenly matched, and that would be an interesting series, to say the least. So watch for that as things go forward. That will do it for me here today. Hope you enjoyed everything on today's show. Special treat coming up on Wednesday's show. Lindsey Vonn, decorated World Cup U.S. Olympic champion skier. Uh, gold medalist she will be on the show as we look ahead to the induction ceremonies for the Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame so a great conversation with her catching up with her in her retirement on a number of different subjects so that will be something to look forward to on Wednesday's show thank you so much for listening today I'll be back at it again on Wednesday